so um we don't have to include this but we did have an email from simon who said mm. who basically said lots of good things but he said we have to go and see smallfoot so you know i don't like to let our listeners down that's so, a film yeah, is it? it's, it's, not, some, no, not it's, just somebody who knows called who no, he's being no, rude about it is genuinely an animation oh, okay. um and uh, do, do you, have you heard about it? Do you know? No, the story? not really. So, no. so that one is great because the story is these this group of yetis that live high in the mountains above the clouds, and they uh, there's this myth of Smallfoot, which is like a human being, but none of them really believe they actually exist until one day the plane crashes on the mountain and and one of them sees Smallfoot. So he's excited and he goes rushing back to the village and he's got a boot and it's like, hey, I've seen a Smallfoot, they're real. Can you believe it? It's so exciting. Hey, everyone. But then the chief, like the elder of the village comes out and he wears stones like a cloak. And on the stones are the law. And there's this law that says, (laughs) you can see where this is going. Smallfoot does not exist. And so, you know, he looks at him and says, are you saying the stones are wrong? <gasps> Gasp, <laughs> shock. So, so he's banished from the village. Now, oh. I know, anyway, I can't... Were you executive producer on this film? No, I can't it think sounds like why an autobiography. I, I, don't, I can't think why I found this metaphor quite powerful. Welcome, everybody, to episode 55 of the Mid-Faith Crisis podcast. My name is Nick Page. I'm joined, as ever, by my good friend Joe Davis. Hello. Hello. Hello, mate. <laughs> How are you? I am forcibly cheery. Hey, you are, actually. You've come over yes. all Joe. I'm gritting my teeth and going, yes, <laughs> I'm enthusiastic. <laughs> How is it going? It's all right. I've got a new book out. What? Mm. What do you mean you've got a new book out? It can't be out yet. I've got a book called Oh No, Mr. Snowman. Really? Yeah, it's my new children's book. What? Out curiously in time for Christmas. Uh, it's all the story of a snowman who wants to come indoors and he's not allowed to because he makes everything too cold. Well, um, It's a little children's book. You sprung that on me. I genuinely had no idea. Yeah, you no, just... well, I, I, I do one or two children's books and, a year. And like if that. we wanted to get a hold of a copy for that all-important Christmas stocking present, how would we do that? I don't know. That would mean marketing <laughs> Once again, and selling. Brilliant, Nick. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> well, no, I imagine you can get hold of it. It's uh, published by Make Believe Artists. I'll put um, I'll put a link up and a picture on the, the notes, and people can order it. And uh, it's quite a fun story. I'm quite pleased with it. Speaking of authors, have you heard mm. of one called J.K. Rowling? No, never mm. heard of uh, him. <laughs> yeah, well, he's fantastic. Believe Is me. he? Yeah. Mm. And what has he written? <laughs> he's written he's written Harry Potter. Oh. And many others. And we went for my daughter's birthday. My daughter, who is thirty one, <laughs> she won't like being reminded of that, going on sixteen. And um she <laughs> she absolutely loved it. So yeah, you go to Harry Potter World and it's like, you know, you spend six hours there. It's amazing. And it's fantastic if you love film because it shows you how film's made and it shows you sets and there's act. It's just incredible. Yeah. The whole experience. My wife's been with my youngest daughter. They went. Well, it's but... it was great. That was yeah. a real treat. Yeah. See, I, I didn't. I don't see you as a Harry Potter kind of um, person, really. Well, well, I mean, I could see you as a character out of Harry Potter. <laughs> I mean, one one of those Dementors or something yeah, like that. Death but eater, not, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> 
But <laughs> I do like to vacuum the atmosphere out of a room. No, <laughs> That's the one thing you don't do. But anyway, you enjoyed it though. It was absolutely terrific. I mean, I am the least Harry Potterish of right. my family. Um, but I thought it was brilliant and you can multiply that by 10 for the others. So, yeah. Because I, I think sometimes think these things surprise us. I remember taking my kids to Euro Disney or Disney World Paris or whatever it is now. Yeah. Uh, years and years ago when they were little. And I was gritting my teeth. Claire booked it and she said, oh, we got to do it, you know. Mm. And I thought, I really don't want to go there. And from the minute I walked in, I fell in love. I thought it was the most fantastic mm. place I really enjoyed it. Yeah. And it, it, it kind of shows you, really, sometimes your your sort of grumpy self is just wrong, basically. Yeah. You know, uh, when these things are done well, they're great. Yeah, I couldn't yeah. get enough well, of all the okay. rides. Oh, that's brilliant. interesting. Yeah. I've never been. So there you go. Uh, that's quite fun. Yeah. Do you think Anyhow. we could be sponsored by Disney? That would that would bring some money in. And then we could spend that more would. time on the podcast. Yeah. And that'd be great. Then we could actually make it half good. By actually spending time on it. It's a thought. I think that would lose us listeners, really. <laughs> I think Not when we're on, we make... the, on the threshold of 30 people listening. <laughs> no, I know. We make a lot of people feel good about themselves because they think, this is rubbish. I can do better <laughs> yeah, than this. Yeah, true. It's a valid role. <laughs> anyway, talking of uh, rubbish, yes. uh, Soul Place. Tell me about yeah. that. <laughs> Thanks. That was a seamless segue. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I just thought I'd mention, because someone did listen to the podcast and actually has started coming along to Soul Place, which is the little cult we run down here in Worthing. And I was just going to say, if you're in the Worthing, you know, we never advertise because, you know, we can't fit people in. It's as big as our, you know, dining room table is. But just recently, we've had a few people go. In fact, they were, well, they were disfellowshipped. I don't really like to talk about (laughs) it, but, you know. We gave them their clothes back, um, but, but not their money. Um, <laughs> shush. No, the more serious point is this. They've moved on for legitimate reasons. And uh, and we've, we've got a few places and I thought, well, maybe there are people in the Worthing area who do not uh, currently attend uh, a church and would value mm. Such a little group. And it's, it's 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 hugely unspectacular, but there is a group of us. We start with this on a Thursday. We start with a meal. We have a discussion. We finish with a communion. Uh, we learn to listen to each other. We don't do the whole pray out loud thing, so that might dissipate people. And we don't sing. That might disappoint people as well. But, but what oh. we do is um, discuss and listen and encourage and, you know, as best we can. I have to say, if I was in the Worthing area... Hmm. And you weren't leading it, I would go. No, thank you. Well, mm. there you are. So anyway, just to say, we would love to to have people, if, if there is another one or two people around in the Worthing area, knocking around, and you'd like a safe place to discuss your mid-faith crisis. You can do no better. Well, you mm. probably can, but contact joe at midfaithcrisis.org for details. To- talking of not marketing or promoting anything, mm. uh, we don't really do that for this podcast either. No. Um, but again, as, thanks to all uh, the people who sort of recommended it to friends, and um, oh, yeah. we did see at least five new listeners out of that. I think yes, there's an um, enormous three of them successful. obviously stopped listening, but you know that was good. <laughs> and no, two you, were by accident. <laughs> but seriously, if you if you enjoy the podcast, do do recommend it to friends and like it on iTunes and uh, leave a review, and that's really always very helpful. Thank you very much. Now, uh, oh, here's the other thing. I spoke. A couple of Saturdays ago down in Newbury. Did you? Oh, I'm sorry. 
for them. At an event with Graham, Ken and Dick. Really? <laughs> Hey! Those of you who are into worship songs will know Graham Kendrick, that trio who have written so much stuff and performed it. In the the 80s? No, I did it with Graham Kendrick. That's amazing. Here's the thing, which I thought thought it was worth mentioning. I was kind of stealing myself, you know, because it's basically an evening of sort of worship songs with me in the middle. (laughs) That's perfect. I know. What could go wrong? (laughs) I did uh, take the opportunity. How did you get that gig? Um, because the place where it was it was celebrating the um, anniversary of the death of a reformer, or proto kind of reformer. So they got their they got a tame church historian in, or at least yeah. the nearest they could get, which is me. And um, no, it was. But here's the thing. So I went thinking, oh, you know, what's this going to be like, and how do I get get through this? I loved it. It was brilliant. Yeah, he was go. absolutely superb, and his band were great. And it was not about him. It was this is the thing. Mm. It was not. It, I mean, lyrically, he's always, I think, been brilliant. I yeah. might disagree with some theology, I suppose, on it, but he might now. Who knows? He might, yeah. But lyrically, he's mm. he's spot on. He's a he's a really good writer. And uh, I just thought it was worth saying because I, you know, yeah, exactly. No, it is me, yeah. grumpy old bloke, sometimes about worship songs, but actually, he was just fantastic when. When do you get somebody like that? That's, yeah. that's great. So I really enjoyed it. Oh, that. well said. Great. So that was a surprise. Do you think he listens to the podcast? I didn't mention it One to him. 30. I don't know if he does. Okay. Yeah, I used I'll, to live uh... near him. My kids went to school with his kids. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We move in, we move in these circles. You do. Oh, yeah. You, Mover you, and shaker. You. you. <laughs> there's not many places I haven't been excluded from. But <laughs> <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's a whole trail of celebrities around them. Yeah, Shall we move on? True. Yes, let's do that. We should get onto some actual content. So this episode is largely feedback, and um, well, it's, yeah. it's entirely feedback, really. And Which means there is content it. because it's people's emails. What have we got? Um, oh well, um, some deathly feedback uh, first. No, so we, we, we did this episode last week, which I absolutely loved with the yes. wonderful Bethany. Bethany, yes. wait for it, Solareda. I got good. it right this time, Solareda. She was absolutely brilliant. And I thought this, and we were talking about my favourite subject, death, and I thought it was great. But interestingly, we've had hardly any emails in about that one. We've had loads about the episode before. Uh, so I didn't know whether it was just one of those things that I was being indulgent and I loved the subject, but most people went and was like, Well, I thought it was, I thought it was she, she was brilliant and I thought it was profound and important. Yeah. And, you know, so uh, who yeah. knows? Or maybe it just stunned people into science. Anyway, we did have this fabulous uh, email from Troy. Troy, who, um, you know, for the really committed, uh, will know, we, we've had an email from him before. And he says, Joe, yeah. Nick, I hope you are both well. And Ethel too, of course. She's fine. She She's... sends her love. Yeah, well, great. not love, but... <laughs> judgment. Judge, sends a judgment, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He says, I wrote to you a while ago about losing one of my children and the journey I've been on. One of the things that has emerged in my own processing of all of it, my regular request to God for my own glorious death, in inverted commas. He says, I'm in my mid-50s, anticipating living here for a while or not, and I find one of the greatest comforts to be my mortality. It gives me focal point for living my life now. What do I mean by the provocative phrase, a glorious death? One that's a blessing and encouragement to those around me. One that blesses those who I have the privilege and responsibility to bless. I'm asking God to allow my spirit to open up as my body closes down. I don't care how painful it will be. I care how meaningful it will be. 
Your podcast is an ongoing source of encouragement and entertainment. It's helped me navigate my faith and my grief. Be blessed in it. Regards, Troy. Well, thank you, Troy. That's um, very moving. Yeah, well, it is moving because, you know, these are things that are just hard to talk about. But I'm so glad he is talking about it. And and that phrase, a glorious death, I, I kind of get it. I get it. One that blesses those around me. Mm. Mm. And who I it's hard to define, but I think you kind of know it when you've encountered it in someone or some place. You kind of yeah recognize it. Yeah, um, I can't remember who it was who said, um, "You know, we need to learn to die well." It was someone famous, but the, the name has gone and won't come back. But I, I really, I really hope I do that. And you know, mm. it, it's not morbid to think about your own mortality. I think it, it, it perhaps it can be on certain occasions, but. There are other ways it can be profoundly helpful mm. to contemplate it. Mm. And, and as Bethany was saying last week, to allow that thought to then help you prioritize today and what's important. Uh, that's yeah. a great email. Thank you, no, Troy. Thank you so much, Troy. And thanks. And, 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 and maybe it is a difficult subject to write in on, and, you know, but really appreciate that. Yeah. OK, so shall we move on to the personality? Right. right OK, so uh, we've had one from Nick uh, in, in Australia. I can't remember what number Nick he is, but there are so many of them, it, it tires me. Anyway, uh, he cult. says, he, exactly, he says, hey, Joe and Nick, enjoyed the last one on personality. For many years now, I've noticed a correlation between personality types and different churches, as well as denominations in general. Some folks are driven by aesthetics, some by sense of history, some by fairness and justice. So it's as you say, these personality differences can tend to become doctrine over time. I found it a good thing to take a step or two back and observe the heart behind some of the doctrinal differences expressed in different denominations, e.g. the Presbyterians with their infant baptism is a deep desire to walk in God's unfailing promises through the generations versus the Baptist need to see and encourage people to make one's faith one's own. The Hillsongers want to see God move in the here and now in the contemporary world, etc., etc., Trouble is, in taking that step back, it makes it rather difficult to re-engage with the local church because they themselves don't seem to see this phenomenon at play. Then there's the nature of folk getting together and that being an extrovert's game, while most introverts find it draining being around people in groups larger than two and even then, it's a bit of a strain. <laughs> so anyway, so there's some really good points there. He does go on to say we promised an episode on films and, uh, and sex, although I don't remember we us ever promising an episode on sex. That sounds horrible. Uh, he says we a, promised a, it. Yeah, I can't. I, can't, yeah. I think that's imagined. I, I, I've I, certainly I never. I, I, I refuse. No. I couldn't possibly talk about it with you. No, not, at least no. not in a podcast that would ever get broadcast. No, exactly. <laughs> I, anyway, there's some great, there's there's some great good thoughts there. there about what, denominations. What I like there was the, the the sense of being able to stand back and seeing the good in in. Uh, different types and they yeah. identify what's at the heart of these people i think that's really helpful that is really uh, helpful but also i think i can see his point that when you do step back and observe and you go oh yeah i see why that's happening yeah it does then become quite hard to throw your lot in with that church again because they're not seeing what you're seeing they're still seeing this is the fundamentally biblical way and this is the only way and you've got a more expansive view now yes yes if they think that's um that the other people are wrong you've got problems haven't you really? yeah exactly um but nevertheless i think that is the in some respects for the mid-faith crisis people that's that's sort of the position we have to hold isn't it to try and see the differences and see the goods and and still talk absolutely. to people yeah exactly um 
Okay, had a lovely email from Rachel. A lovely long email. I mean, I'm not joking. It took me three weeks to read it, Rachel. Uh, but <laughs> thank you for it. <laughs> and the point being... He is a very slow reader. I am a slow um, reader. It's a word at the time. Uh, she and her husband, James, are coming to Minsmere. So we're going to oh, meet good. them next year. Uh, Glyn. <laughs> Glyn says, just listened to installment number 53 for the second time. Oh, poor chap. He says, mm. he says, I find I get more out of the podcast on a second listen. And he says in brackets, your other listener may find this useful. So, <laughs> <laughs> he said, the personality discussion was a very helpful insight into how we worship both personally and corporately, and especially about the type of church we enjoy. He says, years ago, I would have loved to belong to some wacky, charismatic brunch slash cult meeting in a school uh, somewhere where services would last two and a half hours or more with lots of shouting. Today, I would find it particularly uncomfortable. And I was particularly pleased that original Bible translations are quite earthy in their language, perhaps a tribute to the brilliant, he says, Eugene Peterson. Ah, oh, bless him, who passed um, just recently. He, he suggests that we could start, we could as a tribute to a message translation, and he suggests we call it the rough message, the message in, <laughs> or the message in your face, or the unclean message, or the unapologetic message, which <laughs> I was particularly fond of. And But, you know, he's clearly deranged because he says, he finishes off the email, by saying he loved your history of the Reformation. That's very kind of you, Glenn. Bible translations also have a kind of personality to them as well. I mean, um, yeah. or at least uh, perhaps not much of one sometimes, um, you know, because they, they tend to be a bit bland. But the best ones, yeah. the ones that stand out, do have a personality, and that's because they're written by one voice, I think. One of the things about the message is it's a, there's one bloke basically behind it. There's not a committee. Yes. And so that's why it has personality. And... And uh, yeah, you know why point. it stands out so much, yes, you know. Yes, yes, good. But point. I did, I did actually years yeah. ago. Um, I was talked talked to about doing a, a translation, which was a bit odd because I couldn't actually read either Greek or Hebrew at that time. Um, <laughs> and and a friend of mine did a thing called the Street Bible. Oh yeah, a guy called Rob Lacey. And Rob he, Lacey, he did that, Wonderful and that was an attempt man. to get into yeah. a sort of get a bit more the roughness back into yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But I would love to see in translations one that actually genuinely included, for example, sort of the grammatical errors in Revelation. Yeah. Because you know, there are lots, apparently. Great. And it'd be great. It would really freak people out, but it would be absolutely true to the translation. Anyway, that's a minor point. But thank you. Thank you, um, Glyn. Yes, thank you. OK, so uh, moving on. One from Kate, who says, thanks so much for your podcast. I'm still catching up after joining late. But he went straight to episode 53 when found it was about personality types, as this fascinates me. I understand personality has a very significant effect on whether one actually believes in God at all. So this is interesting. He said, I found slightly conflicting research about this on the net, but it does appear strong tease on the Myers-Briggs scale are particularly unlikely to believe in God. So is this just because T's are more sceptical or is it also to do with the forms of belief systems that are available to them in our culture right now? Have these become dominated by F-types or more conservative ST-types? And does this in itself put wider thinking T's off? If God created them like that, does he or she care if they don't believe in him or her, given that this is their <laughs> proclivity? Oh, Lord, I have no um, idea where we are now. I love this. She says, being a church historian, I wonder, is Nick aware of whether this has been the same throughout church history, that certain types of personality were more or less likely to become involved with faith and God in different cultures and eras? Would he have ideas as to the personality types of famous Christians through the ages? There you go. Well, I... Oh... I don't know because 
I, I don't really know what all those personality types are in, in any detail. I do, I do think, actually, though, when you look at, um, for example, the mystics, I read this enormous book on mysticism recently um, by Evelyn Underhill. It was written way back, oh, right. and it's a big yep. book on mysticism. And it's just this long catalog, and they are just strange people. Mystics. You know, they are, yeah. There is a personality type there, but I'm not sure it's um, a good one. You know, I don't see what's strange about going out into a desert and sitting on a stick for a few years. No, that's that's fine. Um, so, you know, what I, what I took out of that book on the mysticism was really that there was a certain type of people for whom this kind of experience, very heightened, very visionary, yeah. you know, ecstatic, strange language... Um, I was reading it with a friend of mine who's a psychiatrist, and he was he he was giving regular diagnoses of these people. I think they yeah. might have been his patients, but yeah. um, you know he, uh, they, th- that draws to that. Now the problem with that is when you if you just see oh the mystics are the high form yeah. of of faith, they're the ones who are close to yeah. God. Well, they're not yeah. really. They're just one they're type. Just one type, yeah, exactly. So I think that's the problem with it. I um, I have found all this feedback really helpful. I've got to say because yes. it is just drawing our attention to how personality driven yes. we are and our yes. churches are, and and I think that's a helpful conversation. Yeah, I, I I wouldn't know though whether you know certain types are more or less likely to 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 believe in God. Really, I don't I don't really know about that. But uh, it's a very interesting thought. Thank you, Kate, for that wonderful email. She did finish by saying she'd like us to do a Halloween special. Um, so there you go. That's oh, a good right. idea, isn't it? Yeah. Halloween special. When you were young, this is a yeah. slight divergent. When you were young, was Halloween this big? It wasn't this big when I was young. No, it, it, no, you didn't. There was no trick or treating, but but no. we did because you know I didn't really grow up in a big Christian family. I mean, it was all quite fun carving out a pumpkin and putting a candle inside it and putting it out the front door. But you never yeah. trick or treated. I never received chocolate. Which no. obviously I'm slightly envious of now, which is no. why I go out every Halloween trick-or-treating. It might be interesting to do it because actually one of the things that I think is uh, strange about the, the evangelical church in particular is that, you know, they make this big thing about Halloween as a gateway to the occult. Yeah. Did you ever have that? Yeah, well, you know. I'm certainly familiar with that sort of thought. And so the impression they give is it sort of starts with trick-or-treating and then, you know, a few days later you'll be into black magic, um, yeah. goats, goat sacrifice, and you'll be a professional <laughs> exactly. witch. Exactly. Um, That's the obvious progression if you celebrate <laughs> Halloween. Maybe it's just me, but I've never met anyone who was lured into the dark arts um, <laughs> just because he he or she wore a mask and shouted boo to people i think i think the big issue of halloween is kind of celebration inflation to me it's like you know it's another marketing yeah yeah another time where lots of people have to spend a lot of money which maybe they can't afford just because uh, you know i tell you what with with my semi-frequent visits to uh, mexico i there is lots that i like about the day of the dead and how they honor the dead and again we're back on that subject so that's a, <laughs> I, i'll move on i can't imagine why you really i know what's what do you like about it I, well so, you know we were talking the tequila the, in that well i love the tequila obviously um but also it's it's the fact that we were talking about in the last episode about how you know it's a death denying culture oh, no yeah. we can't talk about it. i mean it seems to me there is a something very healthy about the way they honour the dead and they yeah. talk about death and, you, you know, celebrate in the way that they do, which is really good and really honouring. Well, next year, then, we'll do a Halloween special. Yes. And all saints as well. We'll Great. do the two together. 
uh, shall we move on? Okay, so last email time. Um, but this is, a, this is a good meaty one from Peter, who hasn't written in for a while. Hi, Peter. Thank you for that. He says this. So, on personality, it's interesting to explore what we mean by the word. A persona, literally to sound through, is the mask an actor would wear way back when. My friend Simon Walker defines personality as the strategy we develop in early years to ensure we get our needs met. In other words, it's simply a set of behaviours, albeit massively well-established and habituated, that we get used to performing and we end up thinking of as me. So I think it's really important to understand how growth, including spiritual growth, takes place. I think we first need to recognise and accept our established pattern or personality, which is why doing something like Myers-Briggs is a good entry point into thinking about our development. And the labelling that often goes on with it is fine in the same way we expect toddlers to be excited when they start to label what's around them. However, the whole point is that we are not our personality. And once we come to accept it as simply our strategy for getting our needs met, we can begin to experiment with letting go of it, which is why Jung talked about midlife as the time when we start to develop our auxiliary or less preferred ways of thinking and acting, which is probably why so many extroverts like me who grew up leading loud worship in noisy churches now sit in silence in wild and lonely places. <laughs> and then he says, enough, keep up the great work, guys. Much appreciation for the podcast and your encouragement to midfaithers like me. Yeah, I thought it was a really interesting uh, point. I'm, I don't know if I agree with all of it, or at least the way it's expressed. I think. No, the strategy we develop in early years to ensure we get our needs met, and that's how his friend. Well, let's just let's just untangle this slightly. The persona in Jungian terms is yeah, it's that mask. It comes from yeah. the Roman the mask in Roman theatre. Okay. Uh, yeah. So if you've ever seen those sort of comedy and tragedy masks. It, yeah. Um, the different characters were all masked. Um, I think it's the, the persona for Jung was really the sort of social face that you presented to the world. So in terms of your personality, it's really the sort of personality that you project mm. onto the world. Mm. And I probably would want to make a differentiation between that and your innate personality. Okay. If 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 you feel that way, I don't think all personality is just a series of sort of masks or uh, you know things that you yeah. a set of behaviours that you present to the world. I don't actually think that's quite true. Well, not in my experience. No, I, I, I think like you, I I I'm not sure because it does make sense in a way. Yeah, because I can see in my own character development, like for example, as a child, you know, certain it became it became an important strategy of mine to be a bit of a fool around the house and to make my parents laugh yeah, and that ease yeah. tension. And I can see how a, a sort of, you know, kind of more extrovert comedy personality developed in me. But I think that having had a couple of children, and although I didn't carry them in the womb, you'll be surprised to hear. Really? Yeah, you've got the build. So. Yeah, well, that is true. Um, they... Their personalities seem to be forming even then. We have one child who is slightly louder and active and another one who is uh, more introverted. And one could one could tell that before they even arrived in the world, I have to yeah, say. Yeah. So that's I, what makes I, I me agree. think maybe there's a little bit more um, to personality than just a, a set of um, conditioning Yes, I, I agree. My children had personalities way before they had personas. You know, way yeah. before they needed that or were aware of that. Now, I suppose some psychologists and some sort of behaviourists might say, well, no, even early on you develop the the mm. 
the way of relating and the way of getting what you need out of the world. But mm. I, I do think there's something more innate in us as individuals than that, mm. in terms of our personality. I do think there's something uh, about us that is unique. But, I, but equally, I see what you're doing. So, for example, you know, um, I became a, 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 a sort of good at comedy mm. as a way of avoiding bullying. And I think that's quite common. Mm for uh, people i think i or perhaps actually i didn't become it but perhaps i just mm. that part of my innate personality grew yeah i think i developed it as a way of making people like me mm. or of at least stopping yeah. them hitting me you know, yeah. which is <laughs> yeah, which was right. good enough at the time yeah. <laughs> um and so i can see how that is both personality and persona and it's kind of hard to yeah yeah differentiate the two in that sense yes exactly well yeah thanks peter for writing in because it has caused a lot of conversation both on air and off air uh, for us yeah. and and i think that conversation will go on but i guess that in terms of you know the developing love of um you know he put it in his his email of uh, sitting in silence in wild yeah. and lonely places that more contemplative stance does seem to put you in touch with your true self. Yes, yes. You know, you're not this whirlwind of thoughts and emotions and feelings. And, you know, perhaps the, the, the personality you inhabit a lot of the time, there is a bit more to you, the substance behind all that. And I think contemplation is where especially extroverts, but I know introverts too, learn to just sort of sit back from the normal persona. Is that the right word? Uh, yeah, I'm, look well, I'm looking to you to guide me here, but you sort of sit back from that and, and the noise of your personality if you're an extrovert and just to appreciate for a while. No, that's, you know, I am more than this. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, it's that I guess it's that whole my life is hidden in Christ. Yeah. Or it may be that you actually become aware. And I think this is pretty common that a lot of what you do within your faith is a persona. Is is what a mask you've been wearing? I think this is absolutely sort of common in yeah. uh, mid faith crisis. Is that what happens is you you suddenly realise that a lot of the time you've been wearing the mask of a Christian or a particular kind of Christian. That it's a, yeah. a you've been projecting that in order to fit in, in order to 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 be accepted or whatever, or in order to not rock the boat. Uh, mm. And I think quite a lot of people find that actually they can't carry the weight of that mask anymore. Yeah, um, exactly right. Exactly so I right. think that what the persona thing says always to me is that everybody needs persona. In other, you know, if everybody I go, needs persona. Thank, thank you. you. Thank, thank you. you. And this you. podcast is now sponsored by Persona, the <laughs> new uh, tonic drink to make you appear wherever you want to be. Anyway, um, the, everybody, we all need Persona because you you use it every time. So when you go yeah. into a meeting with your uh, you know bereaved uh, clients, yeah. You, yeah. you don't want to be a broken down yeah. wreck. They don't exactly. Need that. They don't need that at that moment. No. Even though I am. Yeah, no, Even you're right. Even though you might be feeling that way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes. When I go and see my doctor, I mean, I wrote about yeah. this in the, yeah. the Dark Night book, when I yeah. go and see my doctor, I don't want to see him sitting in the corner dressed in his underwear, sobbing and drinking whiskey. <laughs> no. That, I want, As he often it. is after a visit from you. <laughs> yeah, afterwards, yeah. Um, but uh, however we feel, yeah, you know, exactly. pro professionally, there's a thing that we put on um, and socially. 
I think the problem comes in life when there's a massive diff- distance between the, the, the real you and the mask. Yes. Between the person and the persona. And, and if that distance gets too great, that's when yeah. things shatter and break, I think. Um, yeah. Or people just flee and they just uh, throw it all over. Yeah. Um, and that's why I think it's so important in life to have those spaces. Contemplation might be it. Where yeah. um, you can take off those masks and just be who you are. Exactly. And also to find the safe places where you uh, can be accepted. And you can change yeah. and grow. Because I think personality does change. I mean, I, yes, I, I, I feel does. like I used to be a raving extrovert. And I'm certainly not raving now. And certainly by the emails that come in, it seems that a lot of lot of us who grew up in a sort of extrovert church and with extrovert personalities and we were fully engaged and purpose driven and noisy and loud, you know, are sort of in our midlife going, do you know what? We'd, we'd like to be quiet now. <laughs> Let's go bird watching. But, but I wonder when I think about that, I, I think that's absolutely true. But when I when I think about that, more I've thought about it, I wonder if that's that's what is in fact happening is that we know we have we want to take the mask off yeah. and the only place we can take the mask off is in the quiet or yeah. in a more thoughtful way with other people you can't take off the persona mask in a, in a place where everybody else is wearing their masks and the noise and the music's too loud and the, yeah. the everything's going on as normal so i think that Maybe one sort of feeds on another that we need the quiet more because actually we want to attend more to the personality behind the mask, you know, and that it pushes pushes us that way. Yeah. And one of the things that, you know, I, uh, it's funny, I, I went to um, I went to speak at this uh, church about small groups. And I think I mentioned it to, to you about this. You know, one of the things we try and do at Soul Place as well is listen to each other. And that means the extroverts like me have to shut up, which mm. can be difficult. And so we, we do this little thing where we have a, you know, a holding cross or, or a shell or whatever wants to be nearby. But, you know, only the person who is holding the object can speak. And, and the role of everyone else is to listen to them. And it has an amazing effect on the room when someone isn't jumping in with their opinion yes. or their qu- clarifying question. Yes. or anything. When someone is just allowed to speak and you can almost see the, the mask coming off. Yeah. As yeah. they're accepted and allowed to voice whatever. Yeah. Anyway, so do come along to Soul Place if you're in the Worthing area. Yeah. And you don't belong to another church, I hasten to add. Well, great. I mean, lots of lots of food for thought there, I think. We should, oh, loads. Uh, we should probably wrap up. But I mean, I do think one of the key things... I'm, I'm glad that email came in. I'm glad it enabled us to talk about Persona. Because yeah. for those of Brilliant. you, you know, yeah. more, joined us a bit later in the podcast, you know, it is absolutely a crucial part of the mid-faith crisis is to be able to take off the masks that we've been wearing and, and just admit who we are and, yeah. and to know that God, God's okay with that. God knows yeah. who we are and he created us. So he kind of knows what's behind the mask and that's a safe, a safe thing to do. We've prattled on for long enough, but I would like to say our uh, listeners are quite extraordinary, amazingly intelligent and thank you. And a, a big thank you for all the effort people go to to write in. I'm sorry if we haven't mentioned your email uh, tonight, but mm. I will have acknowledged it and uh, I really appreciate it. Please keep sending your emails into joe at midfaithcrisis.org. We would love to hear more on this discussion or any other subject. Yeah, thank you very much. And I, th- what should we do next time? I think we might, it might be time to do the film episode. Oh, well, that's going to take some, I would love to do the film episode. Should we do that next time? 
Yeah, okay. All right. Right. I better go and start watching some films. In that case, dear listener, write in with your favourite yes. films and why and what it taught you about life and faith. What's a good call. Yeah. Yeah, do that. Uh, all right. And we'd, yes, and that'll help us because <laughs> yeah, we haven't got any content for next time yet. So that's good. <laughs> well, what's new there? Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Right. Thank you so much for listening and uh, being part of this community. Um, yeah. We really appreciate it. Bless you all. See you soon. Bye.